Thank you, Yoni. Today, I'm taking you back in history, into Israeli history and a bit of Jewish history. I'm sitting with Debbie Kali, and she lives in Beit Meir, which is a moshav just outside Jerusalem, off of Kvish Echad, off of Road 1. Um, hi, Debbie. How are you? Thank you. I'm okay. Enjoying a sunny day and great company. Oh, thank you. So we're actually sitting in Debbie's living room, and it is not just any typical living room. It is filled with artifacts that will tell us stories about the history of Israel, the history of the Jewish people. And I'm going to let Debbie tell us a little bit about how she started collecting. Hi. Thank you, Joanna. We started collecting uh, seriously about 20 years ago. Uh, it had been my in-law's uh, anniversary. They married in 1947, not as planned, a very meager wedding. We decided the kids and grandchildren to make something more um, celebratory. Our children decided they wanted to put on skits and took for the skits things that they say every grandparent's home has these. It could be a kerosene heater, it could be fossils, it could be um, an old school bell, Karen Kayemet. A uh, charity, charity box, uh, a special lamp that was used by the Haganah to make sure that the British couldn't find a, a, a slick, a hidden weaponry um, factory. It could be a Hanukkiah that was given to us that had belonged to somebody from Poland, unfortunately did not get out of the Holocaust alive. But this artifact got to his family. May I turn it on now quickly? Mm-hmm. Let's hear what it says. Do you recognize the tune? And this is a Hanukkah, and in the bay, and you can hear the Hatikva in the distance. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. As you can see, Debbie loves to tell stories, and these artifacts are not just things that are on her coffee table, but she's actually taken an entire um, chicken coop called a lul and turned it into Saba's little museum. So, tell me a little bit about the artifacts that you've got in your museum. Oh, we have lots of suitcases. The Jewish people has been known as a nomadic nation and we have here uh, lots and lots of suitcases valises from all over the world from different times from times of stress also from times when people were able to come here at their own liberty we have fossils from the sea that were found here proof that once upon a time this area wasn't just the beautiful hills of judea but also this was a sea place full of urchins what other things i know i saw a lot of tools that were used in kitchens and in craftsmen that's that's, you're right a lot of housewares uh, we also have from different uh, professionals who no longer exist you have a saddle maker's special chair we have the knife grinders the traveling knife grinders uh, special equipment we have carpentry tools from uh, more than 300 years ago from germany we have tools that were found locally many plows and harvesters hand reapers my favorite is the uh, israeli made tractor that's in your garden isn't that cute it's fabulous. Yeah. So some of our listeners must be wondering, how does Debbie know so much about Israeli history, but her accent does not seem to be Israeli? So tell us a little bit about where you come from and how you came to Israel. I'm Australian born and bred. I, came, I come from a very Zionistic family. My father founded Benakiva in Australia. He, uh, he was the first member of Hachshara, the first representative uh, to come to Israel, to what was then known as a Machon Lamadrichei Chol. Maybe some of our listeners were there themselves. And uh, I always knew that I was coming home to Israel. And indeed, as soon as I finished high school in 19, uh, early 72, I came from here for a year. But I'm still here. A year later, my family managed to make Aliyah. There was no reason to go back. My 
broader family has also come, all my cousins, both of my grandparents managed to bake uh, Aliyah as well. And we're happy where we are. We are satisfied where we are. And how many generations are you living in Beit Meir right now? On our farm now, we have four generations. Uh, my mother, our own family, our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And, my, and our grandchildren, that's right. Fantastic. And then tell us a little bit about your husband's family and their connection to the Moshav of Beit Meir. Uh, my husband's family is one of the pioneering families of the Moshav. My father-in-law fled Germany the day after Kristallnacht. He came to Eretz Israel. He always wanted to live on a Moshav. And he participated in a Polam Mizrahi tour that used to go around looking for places to find a, uh, to found a Moshav that would be affiliated with the Polam Mizrahi. He came to this area. He said this area has always been occupied. It may look barren now, but look at the strategic importance. Look at what's going on here. Look at the archaeological finds. And thanks to his uh, yekish determination. Determination or foresight, yeah. We've been here since uh, Rosh Chodesh Nisan in 1950. That's amazing. I'll tell you, today happens to be a super clear day. And as we stand outside of Debbie's house, we can see Ashkelon, we can see Tel Aviv, we can see the little bits of the uh, Yamatichon, we can see Modi'in, Beit Shemesh. You see it all from here. It's a really strategic place because it's up so high. Um, and tell us a little bit more maybe about what else is around in this area so that if tourists are coming into town, they want to spend a, a half a day here, they'll come They come to the Saba's Museum, they'll get a tour from you, and what other things are there to do in the area? Uh, we're part of what's known as Park Rabin. Uh, yesterday was his yacht site. Um, we have a right... 10-minute walk, just walk up the hill here, and we have the smallest official nature reserve in Israel called the Masrek. Uh, in there, you can also find trenches from the time of the War of Independence and also from the Sinai campaign. Beautiful flora there. Um, we are also adjacent to the Burma Road, which has become a popular walking trail and cycling. We have also a little hill called the Carmela because it's a similar type of topography as the Carmel up in near Haifa. And there are a lot of uh, interesting st- areas in that area. We are also part of what's known as the Martyrs Forest, which was planted by people who lived here. Many of them were themselves um, Holocaust survivors. Beautiful. So there's a lot of nature, a lot of history, Mm -hmm. some fun, definitely. And um, maybe some of the listeners also are remembering last year that you had some major fires here and that the community was affected. Can you tell us a little bit about how the community was affected and how I see they've bounced back? Um, how we were affected, the uh, the farms towards the at the entrance to the moshav, about fifteen farms were burnt. Uh, they had asbestos roofs. The people, the whole moshav was uh, evacuated uh, for about four or five days. Those particular families for two to three weeks, depending on what was going on. But they've been resurrected, and the fire has been, made the moshav become a lot more cohesive. And that is just so important for any community that wants a feeling of community. And we have that. And we've gone ahead. And that's, uh, that's the idea. It's part of our tikva. Before we heard the tikva from the Chanukiah. And this is something that we're working on very, very hard. And Baruch Hashem is all succeeding. Beautiful. So I'd really like to let you all know that you can spend a half a day easily, if not a full day here in the Beit Meir area. Um, send an email to Debbie at Saba, S-A-B-A, at funinjerusalem.com. 
and uh, she can arrange everything for you. She'll give you the tour. She can arrange um, possibly to have Madrichim take you on Tiulim in the area. And you're taking a step back in history. I love when I can recommend a tourist attraction where it's not necessarily about the most modern and the most high tech and the most, in some ways, fake. This is real. This is absolutely real. And I, I suggest that everyone come. Debbie wants to say one more thing. Yeah, I, I think you hit the button on the head. We have a lot of objects that aren't that only for Eretz Israel and Jerusalem and Judaism, for, for people from all around the world. And this is a place to say, well, this is where things came from. How did they work? What were they for? But to appreciate what we have today so that tomorrow we'll have an even more happy generation ahead of us. Thank you so much, Debbie. This was really wonderful. And uh, just to remind you all, you can reach Debbie at Saba at funinjerusalem.com. All right, now back to you, Yoni.